0: How's your weekend going? Hmm. I resonate. So my name's Jason Connor, lead pastor Portico, and as Pastor Johnny Reeves said, it is my privilege to be with you today. This is good. We had this great idea at the end of 2020. What we were gonna do, is we were gonna walk through this series called Running on Empty, that's so gonna teach us, because all of us feel like we're running on empty. We still gotta get up, we still gotta go, our tanks are low. And so we started this series and we couldn't finish it because we literally ran out of gas. <laughs> I got sick, we got kicked out of our building, they sold it, and it's just, so there's some irony there. But we're gonna pick back up in it, and we're gonna finish it. So today we're gonna be in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses one through 14, because God has a word of encouragement for us, maybe even a hard word. So go ahead and turn there. And as we're, get, as we're reading this, we're gonna jump right into it, because it's a pretty good little bit of text. I want you to think about what you have invested your life in. Not what you like or not what your preferences are. What you have invested your life in to the point where if it doesn't turn out, you're in trouble, right? Your life will essentially be put on hold. So here we go. This is Jeremiah 29, verses one through 14. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa and the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah and the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And it said so here begins the letter that God sent to his people in exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, The God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners and who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for Welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. And you will seek and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile." Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. It doesn't really feel like home much anymore. Not this church, this world. We know that as you inspired this word through Jeremiah for your exiles in Babylon, you also had us in mind. God, as we open up your word today, would you please open our hearts up? Would you please open up your word that we might behold its treasure? And we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. So what have you invested your life in? Here's something that's common, wealth. If I have enough money, if I have enough wealth and assets, I can be comfortable I can feel significant. I can have a good friend group. I can even drive cars that make me look ecologically sensitive and aware. Money's good. If you've invested yourself in having wealth and comfort, how's it going now? Because COVID is a thief. If you've invested yourself in the way that you look in your body, gravity wins. Look, if you've invested yourself in having peace, look at the events of this last week. And honestly, if we can step back for a minute, this, this week's violence in the Capitol is evidence of, or a good picture of what happens when your vision of the future doesn't work out. Violence. Just to be sure, I'm just going to put this out here. We cannot conflate what Jesus says, what God says in his word in the church with any leader, with any party, with any political agenda. And don't conflate it with anti-king either. We will decry rhetoric, and then we ourselves will become just senders of rhetoric. There's something deeper God wants you to invest your life in, and you need to hear it now. And this is the best time because we have lost our security, we have lost all the things that we have invested our life in, and God wants to, He wants you to have actual hope. Friends, we are running on empty for this reason. You and I have spent our lives investing in our own plans. We've spent our lives investing in our vision of our future. And as this text says, honestly, most of it's a lie. Does that mean it's bad? No, not necessarily. But when a good thing becomes a God thing, you worship it. And when it leaves you, you're devastated. This is what you just read. Israel was devastated because their city, Jerusalem, the place where God built a life with them, where he was going to dwell with them, was destroyed not just once, but three times. As the Babylonian Empire came into play and Nebuchadnezzar was taking territory, he showed up in Jerusalem and basically made it a vassal. Jeconiah was the king and he said, You're going to belong to me now. And after they left, he said, No, I don't think so. Nebuchadnezzar came back and sacked Jerusalem hard this time, set up another king, Zedekiah. And eventually he said, no, we don't, we don't, no. And then Nebuchadnezzar came back and just blew it up. Nothing was left. And they're 1,500, 1,600 miles away in Babylon, an enemy territory with nothing, nothing, no hope, no temple, nothing. And there are those in their community that were saying, God's going to come back in a couple years. I know it. God's going to save us. He just called them a liar. He's like, I didn't say that. You're building a future I have nothing to do with. And you're confused why I sent you into exile. Friends, listen to this. God is calling you to invest your life in his plans. Fully, not your plans. It's good to have plans. It's a good thing. But he's calling you to invest your life in his plans, A. He's calling you to fully invest your life in his places. Where's that? We'll get there and he's calling you to fully invest your life right now in his promise, which undergirds all of it. This is what the text gives us. Invest your life in his plan, in God's place, and in God's promise. So that is the backstory to Israel. They were taken captive and they lost everything. So here's the question we have. Does God have a purpose in this plan? Is this just random, is it? Is this, were last week's events random? Is God in on that? Do we have a response to that? What happens when my plans leave? All right, so let's, let's jump in here. God's plans do have a purpose. This was meant to be a word of comfort to those living in exile in Babylon. So let me read a few things as we start it here. The, the letter actually starts in verse 4. And it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Do you know what the Lord of hosts means? God's defining himself as he's reading the letter to them. You know what they would have heard when they said, thus saith the Lord of hosts? Basically, supreme commander, military commander. It's like saying, hey, the general's talking. I ever see the heavenly armies and everything on this earth. Listen up. So my question would have been, well, then why are we in Babylon? Because they sacked us three times. Where were you? But he wants them to know he is the Lord of hosts. What is the second thing that he says? He says, The God of Israel. Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. That is covenant language. He didn't just say, hey, I have something to say. Thus says the supreme commander, the Lord of hosts, and I am your God. That is covenant language. You belong to me. You're not just in Babylon on your own. I am there with you, but I have so many questions. Yeah, you do, but I am there with you. That is covenant language. God establishes his covenant with his people. He calls a person Abraham. That becomes a family, which becomes a nation, which gets pushed out of exile and Exodus, and that becomes an eternal kingdom in Christ, which is where we sit right now for trusting in him. So this idea that I am your God, God of Israel. I, as a God, belong to you, Israel, so therefore I am with you. And the next thing he says, this is so telling, <laughs> those kind of sound good, right? Then he says, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That's confusing to me, because up here, it says in verse one or two, Nebuchadnezzar had taken them into exile. So which is it? Why is Israel in Babylon? Did God send them there? Did Nebuchadnezzar take them there? Like a four year old answered this in the first service. So get it right. Why are they in Babylon? God just said, I put you there. So these are God's plans, apparently. Friends, God is working a plan both globally, locally, and in your specific life and in your neighborhood and in your relationships that probably doesn't line up with your plan. And you might feel lost and you might feel hurt and you don't know what to do with that. You need to invest your life in His plans because He has one specific outcome for that plan. Do you know what it is? We read the whole passage, right? What happens towards the end? What is God's plan? His plan is to get you home. Now, for Israel in that time in redemptive history, that meant literally back into Jerusalem with a restored temple. Hold on that in two weeks. We're getting to Nehemiah. So we're going to see if this prophecy is true or not. For us, what does that mean? Let me just ask you this. Do you feel at home with God? you know what it feels like to be home? I got kids. When they come home, they throw their bags right in the entryway where everybody's going to trip over them. They walk right to the refrigerator and get stuff. And they complain that we didn't buy stuff. If they're watching, I still love you. And then, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to go do this. Here's all, the, all our kids. We're like, uh, okay. Right? And so they are totally at home in our house. They feel good. They like to smell the pies that mom's cooking. It feels like home. Now, if you look at some of the language in scripture, man, in Psalms, they're like, God, where are you? It's like, it's like a little kid talking to a father. So do you feel at home? Do you feel like you fully belong to God? Do you feel like you're fully loved? And do you believe like he has a future for you? That's what home feels like. So God's plan is to get you home in Christ. Jesus says as much, John 14, 23. Remember what Jesus said about home? He said, if you love me, for those that love me and keep my commandments, my Father loves you, and we will come and make our home with you. It's no different than it was back then. It's through faith. So do you feel at home, belong, loved, and, future, and your future is secure in here? And so first things first, you have got to invest your life in this. God's plans may be wildly different than what you're planning. He's getting you home, and you got to trust him in that. Okay, so invest your life in his plans. He is sovereign. He is good. He loves you. Secondly, invest your life in God's places. So I think we've established the whole world is God's place. Now, this was not really the way it was working out in this time in redemptive history. The place for God's people was in Israel, That was where God dwelt, in his temple. He met with them. There was a sacrificial system. They exercised real faith in the real God in Jerusalem. They had festivals. they um, They were called upon to do certain things by God to exercise that faith. And now they're in Babylon, fully away from presumably the presence of God, yet God's like, no, I'm still with you. And then he tells them to do some things that would have made absolutely no sense. You need to seek the welfare of enemy soil. You need to actually become a blessing to them. Hey, you know what? Build a house and not just build it, live in it and grow some things. Don't just sell them, eat them. But you know what? Marry somebody in Babylon. Hey, you got kids? Give them away in marriage. What does that all mean? Make it your home. But I don't want to make it my home. I hate this place. Hate everything about it. They don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't worship you. Why don't you just destroy them? It's like no. Seek their peace. Seek their welfare. So secondly, you invest your life fully into God's place. You see, God uprooted Israel, and He told them as much in the beginning of Jeremiah. I might have mentioned this back in 2020. You remember 2020? What happened back then? Um, At the beginning of Jeremiah, it says, this is verse 10. He's telling Jeremiah, this is what's going to happen pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow, to build and to plant. He uproots Israel and plants them in Babylon because they deserved it. A, but God is working a plan. And he calls them to be invested in the outcome of Babylon. That should blow your mind. Friends, even as we expand on this a little bit more, you need to realize this. God has planted you here with a very specific purpose in the city, in your neighborhood, in your friend group, in your friends with your family. He's got a purpose for you, and it's always going to be moving you home. Maybe not geographically now, right? But he is working a plan for you. Um, I had a cousin who liked to be a farmer, and when I was a kid, I would help him farm a little bit. And he wanted to, it was in California, and he decided one year, I'm gonna grow rice. And I was like, cool, I'll help you. So he plants all this rice, and um, I don't know if you know anything about farming, but when you put the seed in the ground, you've spent all your money. In fact, you've usually spent the bank's money. So if that crop doesn't come up, you're done. You're usually going to have to be in debt for years or like maybe have insurance if you could afford it. So that's what it means to invest your life. You have invested your life in a place such that the outcome of where you live and the people you know and the job that you have, the outcome, the good outcome of that, those things, is your good. You're invested in the outcome of these things. You're not just hanging out. You're just not in the neighborhood. You you live there and you love them, even if it's not your people, right? Full investment in Babylon. So how do you do that? Just a few ways. Um, invest in the people. Start there, because people make up a place. Invest in the people around you. In other words, you know, in the church we say we should impact culture, and that's true. So let's switch that for a minute, because the text says, I want you to be impacted by the good of how your neighbor's doing. Are they doing okay? I don't know. How's your spouse doing? I don't know. How are your housemates doing? How's your job doing? How's the company workout doing? How's your city doing? How's our nation's capital doing? How are those in our city that are vulnerable doing? If you were to measure your good by how they were doing, would you still feel the same? Because this is what God is telling Israel. And they're in enemy territory. We're not even in enemy territory. We just have a little bit of diversity. So they're called to measure how they're doing based on how the people are doing in the places that they know and work and exist and eat and sell and buy They're called to seek the welfare of the city. (sighs) There's never been a better time (laughs) to be a peacemaker. One of the outflows of this is you are a peacemaker, okay? Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they should be called sons of God, what that's all about. God is peace, There's no greater peace than standing before the face of God and knowing that you belong there. And he wants you. And he's got you. And he's got a future for you. That's real. That's called shalom. That's peace with plenty. And that's what that word is, welfare. Seek the welfare of the city. It's seek the shalom, the wholeness, the peace, the plenty, all before the face of God. So it's not just all the good outcomes, it's showing yourself off God's community as a loving family of grace that is full of God Himself, inviting people into that. Well, if they don't want to come, well, then they don't want to come. Don't worry about it. Love them still, right? Let God work in that. So invest in this place. Are you a peacemaker? Like, how are your relationships doing? How's your family doing? Family's hard, right? Doesn't mean you're gonna have good relationships with everybody. But do you reflect the character of God? Do we reflect the character of God where God has planted us, right here? So invest your life fully into God's plans, into his place right now. And lastly, invest yourself into God's promise. This is key. If you don't understand this, not only will the first two not make sense, you will be running on empty. If you're trying to fix issues and problems and relationships and social issues which all matter in your own strength, in your own power, with your own solutions, you will find yourself completely drained you may anyway, but you have to build yourself on God's promise. You have to first invest yourself in God's promise. So know this. God, first and foremost, is invested fully in you. Verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise. Now, why would that have mattered to Israel? Israel. Because the second time in 597 BC that they were sacked, Nebuchadnezzar showed up himself. He left Babylon, the king of all of Babylonia, and he shows up at Jerusalem. He's like, I'm gonna make sure this gets done. So when they see God, Yahweh, saying, I'm gonna march myself into Babylon myself, and I'm gonna grab what's mine, and I'm gonna take you back under my wing, and I'm gonna replant you into Jerusalem. So he is fully invested in you. This is very personal for God. You need to know that. And there's a part of God that we don't talk about much. He's a warrior. He's not gonna put up with it, right? He's going to destroy that which destroys his people. So he is fully invested in you. He's doing good to you. He's doing peace to you. He has a future for you. But right now, friend, You have to embrace eternity. What do you mean? Did you catch this word? For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill my promise to you. I will bring you back. I know the plans I have for you. Welfare, that's peace, not evil, to give you future and a hope. Do you know how many people that heard this letter got to Jerusalem? Zero. 70 years. What if COVID lasted for 70 years? How'd you guys do? Did you do okay? What if your not favorite political leader was in office for 70 more years? How would you do with that? Be okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. God's got. Most of them heard this and died in Babylon. That's not on the copy cup version of that verse that I have. For I know the plans I have for you to do all these things, but not now. He's working his plan to bring them home, and yet most of them. Now, when you hear that word, when you hear 70 years, how do you respond to that? Are you like, oh, that's grace? Because they are in exile because they rejected the Lord over and over and over. Are you like, oh, 70 years, awesome. Maybe my kids will get there, but you're still with me in Babylon. Amen. Or you're like, what? We'll be good this time. Whatever. Just get us out. That's the posh, that part, that arrogant posture is what got Israel sacked over and over and over. And us too. We are in exile right now. Our citizenship, if we're in Christ, is in heaven above. It's in the new and coming world and cosmos that Christ is going to recreate. So we ourselves are resident aliens in this land. So we have to embrace our eternal home and know that our plans aren't going to be worked. God's plans are, and to invest in the place that we are in. So how does Jesus do this? I'm gonna tell you right now that the promises that God made to Israel are fully answered to Jesus. Let's just look at that. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. God the Father heard God the Son. Most specifically when Jesus lifted up this prayer, always, but how about this one? Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. God, listen to that. When he says, I will restore you. See, Jesus, God the Son, takes on the wrath of God. He takes on full exile for you, for me, right? He sought our welfare, our shalom, our peace by taking the hit, going to Babylon, right? Going on to eternal, this wrath that we have earned. He takes that, and then God restores him. Friends, when Jesus walks out of the grave, you are out of exile. That's it for you. You're done with it. But I'm still here and life. is hard. You're done with it. Yes, I know that. We're understanding, right? The now and not yet. But when Christ walks out, Jesus fully restores him. God brings Jesus back, not to Jerusalem, but to the heavenly place. Jesus is there right now. Recreate like a glorified body. His feet are on that soil, if you will. And that is your homeland. And you are in him through faith. And you are there right now. Jesus ends your exile. That's it. All these promises are located in the person of Christ. So, if we're going to invest ourselves in God's plan, if we're going to invest ourselves in this place, and if we're going to invest ourselves in God's promise, that means right now you need to invest yourself fully into the person of Christ because he is your exile, he's your savior. That's how that works. That's what God is calling us to do. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never felt that freedom or forgiveness. Feel it now, give it all. You can't fix this, friend. He has. Trust him fully now. So let's walk this out together. This can be hard. I don't know what 2021 is going to look like. It could be much, much worse. I'm just going to tell you that. Could be. Or it could be awesome. And our hearts sort of wander away again, trying to invest our lives in anything but God. Let's not do that. Dear Lord, we thank you and we praise you. You are good, you are worthy of worship. Jesus, I thank you so much that you showed up, like you said, that you took our exile, that God the Father restored you because you were true and faithful. You are the true Israel, the true seed of Abraham. And you are restored into fullness. And you are coming back, and you will restore everything. Jesus, we wait for that. So would you have mercy on us? Would you build up your church as we walk out our lives in Babylon. In the name of Jesus, amen.